Hello, and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, author and playwright Mark Anthony Rossi. This show explores all forms of creativity for those searching for meaning and a place in the world. To err is human, but so is to love. Now, without further ado, here's your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to Strength to Be Human. I'm your host, Mark Anthony Rossi, poet, playwright, producer of this show, and of course, a lover of other things that are literary. We're going to be doing episode number 132, and this one I'm calling Philosophy of an Artist. So, we're going to talk about some of the things that really are not talked about a lot when people, when people write or people think about subjects to write or people just call themselves writers. Unlike in the past where there were schools of thought and different philosophies, I wonder now more than ever before if maybe we have a lot of writers out there that really haven't formed their own philosophy about what they want to say, what they want to do. You know, do they have a a certain thing in mind? Is there a certain theme or a certain genre or just a certain direction they want to go to? That they have certain philosophies they might want to be able to cling to to help them to write or, or maybe to, to stand out in, in terms of who they are as, as a writer or maybe even as a person. I'm not necessarily talking about something political. I like this, I like that, vote for this, vote for that. I'm not talking about that kind of temporary nonsense because literally you, you're going to change your underwear more than, than you'll probably change your political ideas. And, and they, they really are oftentimes wrong and not very useful. Uh, that's why I call them very temporary. You won't be believing the same things you believed 20 years ago. Trust me, that's how it works. But, in terms of an artistic philosophy, even a worldview, that often stays more with you. You might evolve and, and learn and get deeper in this and deeper in that. But, in the end, some of the things that you sort of believe in and go through in your life, you're pretty much going to cling to the rest of your life. So, why not figure out how to bring that into your writing? And how that focus that better because it'll help you become a, a better writer. And it's to me, it's always disappointing. You talk to writers, and they don't seem to have any kind of philosophy at all. Where like I said a hundred years ago, they all had something. They all said something. I'm with this school. I'm doing that. I'm doing this. Blah blah blah. So I like to see more of that come out. And one of the good things that I think could be helpful is now I'm even talking about some of my own philosophies or possibly even. How I, I edit as an editor my uh, my journal aerial chart. I think it's also a, a good way to show it some of my guidelines because when you think about some of my guidelines for the magazine, you'll be able to see. In many instances, I have certain philosophies as a writer that I expect to see in the magazine, and I expect it to come brought out more and and some of the folks that I, that I am publishing. So I I think it's actually useful to use some of those as a sort of a, a guide point ourselves to be able to say, yeah, this is what I w- I'm thinking about. This is really what I like to see, and this is what I like people to, to kind of give some more thought to. So we'll, we'll bring that up as well, because it, it kind of makes sense in, in, in many ways, you know? Now, I'm also going to be doing some quotes for some famous writers, and oftentimes they have a, a great amount to say that can help, you know, open our minds to... Um, to better to better our thoughts or even to better directions for us to become 
uh, better writers. Uh, a perfect example uh, would be Allen Ginsberg. All right, now he said, to gain your own voice, you have to forget about having it heard. Now, that might sound a little clumsy or might even sound a little deeper than you might want it to sound, but the truth of the matter is, he makes an excellent point because what he's really trying to say is, if you're trying to find your own voice, you have to forget about how it sounds and how other people view you. It's almost like he's saying, yeah, in a way, if not a lifetime thing, at least in a temporary fashion, you have to learn to drop the ego. You know what I mean? Or the attitude or the actor or whatever people use sometimes to either defend themselves from the world or because uh, many writers can be introverts or, or people that can be, uh, they tend to be shy and not really very controversial or even confrontational, which of course I find very ironic because I really expect writers to be a little bit more towards that direction because kind of hard to write about the world if you're not confronting it here and there, at least. But he makes the, I think, the excellent point and he illustrates us to us with an excellent quote that, yeah, we got to drop all how we're feeling, how we're feeling, how we're seeing it, how we think people are seeing us or feeling about what no, they have, we have to drop all of that. And by doing that, it allows us to have less obstacles to find our voice, to see who we are in the writing world or in that writing piece or just in writing in general. So many writers I talk to, uh, they could sound in a piece so strong and so authentic and, and, and so inspiring and even sometimes so full of authority and then you speak to them and you're like, is that the same person? So writing, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not mocking this, what I am saying though is that writing in many instances has to learn through your repeated use of it and, and practice and all of that, it has to get closer to who you are. It can't just be some separate entity. Oh, that's how I write, but otherwise I'm shy. Or, yeah, I, I curse a lot in that writing, but otherwise I'm pretty religious. I mean, it, it can't be an opposite. It can't be something that people talk to you, meet you one day, and they're like, that's the same girl that wrote that? I don't really find that attractive. I, I actually find that uh, unusual and maybe even a bit disturbing because I really think that for you to be the best writer that you can be, you have to be authentic. And the only way to write authentic is for that to be who you are. It can't be some character. It's not to say that when you're writing a novel of fiction that the characters are going to sound something different than who you are. I mean, you're not an assassin and you're not a spy. You're not a, you know, a lot of crazy lunatic burning a building or something. I got that. And, I, and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about things of a non-fiction nature. You know, that's what I'm talking about. That, whether it's the poem or the essay or maybe maybe even in many instances, a fiction piece that seems very realistic. It, it, it can't be so out of the source that, you know, you don't even identify with it. Every so often we're going to do something like that. But generally our writing should be closer to who we are. It's my philosophy, okay? So I'm not giving you some 11th commandment over here. I'm not saying this is how you have to do things. I'm not demanding if you don't do this, I won't publish you an aerial chart or I'm not going to have you on the show or I don't care what you say and think because that's not the case. 
But what I am saying is, if you're trying to strive to be better as a writer, why not just simply start with being honest with who you are, or maybe try to figure out who you are on that journey as a writer. Maybe it's the same journey as trying to find out who you are, and that's fine too to take that with that because you'll evolve and become a better writer and learn more about yourself, learn more about your writing, more learn about the world, and maybe educate and teach somebody else about something, about you or about the world in general. That's completely fine. But we do need to figure out a direction because we could talk about, and I say this a lot, I'm, I think I said it on the last show, we could talk about spirits and, and guiding points and muses and angels and whatever. We could talk about that all day long, okay? But it can often be few and far between. In the meantime, what are you going to do when the muse hasn't hit you in a couple of weeks? You're just supposed to sit there and look at the ceiling? Put aluminum foil around your forehead? Huh? Dance a jig or, uh, or do a prayer? Or, or you just sit down and say, these are some thoughts I have on some notes I have on some things I was thinking about, some things I'm wondering about, some things about maybe about myself. Let me throw this down here. Yeah, it's all in the jumble. Yeah, it's, it's nothing close to even being a draft. Fine. But that's still the beginning of artistry. That's still the beginning of saying, I honestly don't even know where the hell I want to go at the moment, but I'm going to put some stuff down because I need to start somewhere. That's writing, folks. Starting somewhere. Okay? Writing is many things. Writing is also getting that last draft in and polishing it and going to send it out to a publication. That's writing too. But we're talking about when you're just starting off with everything. I don't necessarily mean just starting off as a writer for the first time. It could just be that you're starting off on something new. Or maybe you're still on this journey and you don't feel that anything you've done so far so far hits the mark. I hear this a lot from writers. Hell, I've been doing it 36 years and I feel that sometimes. Because you change as a person. Because the worldview sometimes can, can differ in, 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 in various events. Or because you could be doing something so new that you uh, is not catched up to what you're trying to do. You're just not caught up with it. So you're like, I don't know, I feel discombobulated over here. And you are. Putting down notes. The final, I feel, the final task before you can start writing is to put down something. I know there are people that get hit with some bolts of lightning and, and do something great. That's great. It happens. It's happened to me a few times. It'll happen to everybody a couple times. But um, I could probably write in my, my hand how many times it's happened, except in 36 years of writing. It doesn't happen that often. It really doesn't. Oftentimes, you will write something that you helped create by setting a tone, by putting down notes, by rereading some stuff that you thought yesterday was garbage. Today, you're like, maybe I'm onto something. That's how writing is, if you want to call it forced or, or, or intentionally inspired. God, I don't even know what term I want to use on something like this because I'm literally having to make a turn up for it. But I'm telling you, it's real that you have to oftentimes bring yourself to creativity because many times creativity is not going to bring itself to you. So if you want to be a writer, 
of any kind of consistency, of any kind of prolificity, then you have to be able to start doing that and make it a habit. Make it your own ritual. You'll derive a lot of stuff out of that. I've known people that are going through their notebooks right now trying to find cool things to, to create poems out of. Nothing wrong with that. Maybe it's years that they got to them. Maybe yeah, they just did it yesterday. We all do that. It's important to do that. You have to have something to fall back on when you have those days where you don't even physically feel like you want to think and write. When you have those days where you're like, I am not, uns- I'm just not inspired, okay? I got a Coke in my hand, but I don't have a smile, <laughs> okay? I mean, you're going to have those days. And what do you do with those days in terms of trying to be something creative? Well, I'm telling you right now, there's only two things you can do with those days. If you want to try to do something positive in a creative fashion, you can either go back to something else you wrote and, and see if you could do some more editing to it. See if you can tinker with it and try to improve on it. Because it's a, not only a relaxing thing to do. Because you don't have the pressure of trying to do something brand new. But also it could help bring your brain back to being creative again. Or you could do the second thing. Go through the notes. I don't care if you scribbled on something. At a concert last night in between 16 drinks and 14 girls. It could still be useful. Go through some notepads you might have. Go through a journal you could have been putting down. Or maybe a diary or something. Something you put down. Some people do it by paper. Some people do it by the the electronic notepad on their phone. Some people do it by a, um, a, a like a, a audio diary. They have one of those little mini like tape recorder things. I know they're now digital. I don't think they use the little cassettes anymore. Shows how old I'm getting. They use digital ones now. And, uh, and I know a few writers that actually do that and swear by that. And then maybe they'll translate that later on to something else. Maybe they'll bring it with them on vacation or a trip with them. So they don't miss a kind of thought or an idea or something. That becomes their notes. Great. But this is what we're talking about. It's just like being a musician. You're not always going to come up with these great riffs. I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to do this song right now. Sometimes it's just about just laying down some tracks. You don't know where the heck it's going to. And then you go listen to it later and say, yeah, I think I'll use that piece. And I think I got another idea to go with it. And that's what you're doing. You're putting together things. But you can't put together anything if you don't have any pieces to put it together. Because it's really hard to start from scratch. Not that it can't be done. But again, why make things more harder for yourself? I honestly think in many instances when I've talked to writers... That the genesis of their writer's block is they stress themselves out. It wasn't like the life was stressing them out. Or their wife was stressing them out. Or the world was stressing them out. Their job was stressing them out. They were stressing themselves out. Mark, the paper is still blank. Mark, I got like three words and two of them suck. I mean, that's rough. That's stressing yourself out. Versus I could just say, go to the notebook. See what kind of crazy things you had to say a few days ago, a few years ago, a few weeks ago. Some of it might actually bear some fruit. Some of it actually might make sense now. Sometimes you could write stuff that you haven't even caught up with understanding yet. Because it could be that deep or it could be that almost prophetic, you know. Hey, I'm ready for that now, but maybe I wasn't ready for that last month. That's fine. Sometimes you don't realize that you can be, in many instances... 
more emotionally intelligent about certain things than intellectually intelligent about them. I know that might sound weird, but we're learning more and more about people being successful in things in their lives because they have either naturally or, or created themselves a better form of emotional intelligence. It's the new term they use now. And I, I don't mind it because it makes some sense to me, of course. And also, I don't mind it because oftentimes when you just say, damn, I just wish the guy had some wisdom. What do you got to use emotional intelligence for? Well, wisdom could cover lots of things. It could mean lots of things. And oftentimes, in many ways, it could be a loaded term that could be just as derisive as it is useful. Why the hell did you use some wisdom? <laughs> just, it doesn't exactly sound all that great versus telling somebody that, there may be a few other areas in your life or, or maybe how things you might approach that you might have to try to learn to be a little bit more mature about. Maybe a little bit more patient, which in the end, being more patient is being more mature. But this is what we're talking about. And that gains a person to get a little bit more insight. What is insight? Emotional intelligence. It's just another cool term for some things we're aware of. But that's what they mean when they say that. And I often feel that your notes could be dot. They could be dead spot on something important. You're just not ready yet for it. So you just write the notes down and you leave it go and do some other things. Go back to it later. You're going to find it useful. You really are. I'm not telling you now that you're going to have 17 pages of notes and then you're going to have 20 pieces of poetry and fiction tomorrow. Okay? Because uh, that's not realistic and, and pretty damn ridiculous. Okay? But what I am saying is Amongst all that scribble and all that scrabble and everything else, you're going to find some gems in there that you can use because they're always in there if you look for them. They're always in there. That's why you just need to write and not worry. What does Ginsburg say to us? He's saying us, and I don't mind paraphrasing it. Forget about yourself in order to find your voice. That's really what he's saying. To gain your own voice, you have to forget about having heard it. That's what he's saying. It's not just about worrying about how someone's going to look at you when you're doing an oral presentation of your poetry in some cafe. Oh, well, you're on Zoom or something and reading off something and you're terrified. Oh, my God, they won't like my hair. Those are not valid, I feel. Those are not really valid positions to have because in the end, once you find your voice, you're not going to really care about those things. Because you shouldn't be caring about them in the first place. But if you want to care about them, find your voice and then they won't matter anymore anyway. I got this poem down. I'm a master of what I just did right over here. I'm going to go shoot it out to these people. They're going to be impressed. Don't care if they don't like that I have some acne on my face and my hair looks weird. And they don't like my shirt. You know, And I bought my shoes at Walmart. Who gives a crap? Because we're there for the art. We're expecting you to be an artist. I'm expecting you to be the artist. Go be an artist. Don't worry about all that superficial nonsense. That don't mean a damn thing. It really doesn't. Because in the end, when you are confident in your work, and you know the vision that you have, even if you have the different vision next week, let's just say this week you got a vision and you're working on it. Okay? And you carried it out and now you got to go get another one. That's fine. But that level of confidence, that kind of construction of work, that's going to create any kind of delivery from you that's going to be inspirational, that's going to be full of, of courage. And, and I tell you, it's going to have passion even if you don't think you're passionate. Because 
all passion really is is emotional intelligence. This girl, this guy, they know what they're talking about. They're moving me. They're, they're opening my mind. They're hitting me in the heart. They're saying things that I want to hear because they need to be heard because this person just came up with something that has connected. Because that's what we're trying to do. Make that connection. When you make that connection, you're going to be both positive and you're going to be you're going to be passionate. Hell, you could even say you're going to be sexy. I know that might sound strange, but I mean, you think about it. We all know something about Edgar Allan Poe. We we know some of his works. Many of us have read a great deal of them. Maybe only a few for others. But we also seen a lot of the the old fashioned. Uh, I think they call them stereotypes, but it, it, they were the primitive photographs of of him. He he got a few done. Okay, I don't recall a, a single woman that I ever talked to say, "Damn, I think that guy looks hot." Never heard that once in my lifetime. My mother was a a, a, a really incredible. A woman, a, a, a feminist, and, and, and someone that really loved writing and, and helped me become who I am today. And she would also remark on, on writers and everything. And she always say, man, I think that Mark Twain is kind of sexy. But she say, that Edgar Allan Poe, man, he looks just as scary as his writing. <laughs> That's what she would say. But guess what? In his own time, women were throwing notes at this guy left and right for him to marry them. Throwing passes out of him. Women were hearing his passionate readings and, and going crazy, okay? He was like a, a sexy rock star. You probably could have put this guy in Rolling Stone and people would have been passing out if they had such a thing back then. Women were after this guy. Women loved this guy. They wrote him love notes. Some of them a little bit risque even for even then. I'm like, I'm reading them going, oh, man. First of all, I'm reading them, oh, man, because I'm thinking about the time and, and the women back then. But then I'm also saying... Oh, man, because they're talking about Edgar Allan Poe. What the heck? But you can laugh and say to each his own. Or you could take the truth of the matter is he was a master. He knew what the hell he was doing. He cared about his writing. He was passionate. And all of that in that performance, that made some women swoon and swerve and swivel. And I don't know whatever word they knew these days. I'm, I'm trying to catch up to the vernacular of today as much as I can, okay? But... Swoon is probably the best word we can all understand. Women are like going crazy over this guy. And I'm telling you this to this day. When I think about guys impressing women. Um, he's not even on my top 100 list of anybody on the planet. Okay. And I love Edgar Allan Poe. But I'm not seeing it. Okay. So I have to intellectually understand what I'm telling you. Because I don't see it. I guess if I had to take a time machine and go back there and check it out and you know to get a laugh out of it, but nevertheless, I read the correspondence. I read all the insight from people that talked about that, the witnesses. I read it all. It's unbelievable to read, but apparently it was true. I just read too many sources to not believe it. And like I said, when you think about many things about this guy, I'm going to wind up doing sometime later in the year uh, a second show on Edgar Allan Poe. I just think that the first show just didn't cover enough. And we'll probably talk a little about this because uh, it's it's ironic. It, it, it's it's funny. It really is. Uh, but then also it, it plays as something I'm talking about on, on how um, understanding your own self and, and getting an idea of what you're trying to do and, and giving a damn about it 
produces great work, produces passion, and, and apparently produces those kind of responses. Now, a bunch of you guys want to start doing this because you're going to get more girls. I mean, be my guest. I'm not trying to give you some formula for, you know, you know, sexual success over here or something. But what I am saying is I don't care what walk of life you have, whether you're a salesman or, or you're working as a nuclear engineer. In the end, people are only going to be impressed by the folks they feel know what the hell they're doing. And that's really what it is in a nutshell for a writer. You know, you got to get to where you're that master plumber or that master technician or that master carpenter. You know what I mean? That master speaker. I mean, you're the master writer. And you you, you got to work to get to that. And you're not always going to be that every day, okay? You're not always going to be that with every piece of your work, okay? Just keep that in mind so you don't put yourself any extra pressure. You got to accept the truth about yourself just as much as you're writing. I do it with myself all the time. I might have 700 poems out there, which I do, believe it or not. And I can tell you maybe 50 or 60 of them that I feel that close to or that I really feel hits the mark for me. So what does that mean with the other 650? Uh, hell if I know. I still don't know, okay? A lot have been published too. Don't know. Some people like them. Some people whatever. I'm not all that keen on some of them. It's just, that's just, you're going to say it, you're going to find the same way. Because it might have been ready to get published, to get submitted for someone to read. It doesn't mean it was ready for me personally to say, I think that's my best foot forward. That got everything I wanted to say. We're not always going to get that. But as we improve, you will get there. And you're going to have more and more works like that as time passes. Not everything you do is going to be like that. And we have to learn to understand that. But they're going to have a good portion that is. And you'll be proud of that. Now, that's part of my philosophy as, as an artist. Is to make sure that what we're doing, we are... And I don't think the word comfortable is the best thing to say. But I would I would say at least content. Okay? Because sometimes as much as we're putting together pieces that might not make other people comfortable because we might be saying or revealing or doing things in it that maybe is not so known or maybe that's not so want to be heard. But also, we might actually make ourselves uncomfortable sometimes with that. I mean, it's not an unusual thing for someone to write something and say, Mark, I'm not really sure how comfortable I am with this piece. And I'm like, well, what do you mean? And uh, I'm, you know, because I'm first thinking, you know, they're having structure problems. Maybe the title sucks. Maybe they got some words they're not sure about. But no, it, it just means that they're not sure if um, what they revealed about themselves, about the world, about some of the things they've known or understand, it's always making them comfortable. Maybe it's not their best foot forward. Or maybe they're not ready to say that to their family members or to a world or anything like that. And I'm not necessarily alluding to somebody who might be gay and just trying to get out of the closet and know how to do that, doing some writing and maybe go in that direction. I've seen and heard that happen before. Got that. Harder to counsel someone like that because I don't have that kind of experience. But what I can say, of course, is in the end, whatever you're doing to release out to the world, whether you're in that situation or you're just in the other situation of... I'm not comfortable with this. You have to be. Otherwise, don't do it then. There's nothing worse than putting a really good piece of work out there and you're just not ready to be behind it. So, it's never a good thing. 
You don't ever put out something out there because you can't un unpublish it when it's out there. You can't unrelease it. And God knows you can't have somebody unread it or unheard it. It's just, that's just the way the world works. So if that means you got to put it to the side until you feel it needs an alteration, or maybe you have to put it to the side until you feel you need an alteration to get used to it or, or to accept it, and that's fine too. And that's not a bad philosophy to have because in the end, I feel the two worst things to do as a writer is first to put out something that you're just not comfortable with and God forbid it gets published. I know that sounds crazy, God forbid, but God forbid it gets published. And then uh, just putting something out there that's just inauthentic because you just wanted to get a credit and you're just trying to be hip or something. I get, I get that stuff and I see that stuff all the time. Both of those things, they don't make me happy. I'm really unhappy with the writers that just go out there trying to be hip with everybody and you know, you don't ever know who they are. They don't ever care to reveal anything. All they're doing is just some clever cloy stuff. That's the kind of stuff I don't like to publish. Because to me, it, it doesn't mean anything. I want to try to do, do something at least that's going to stand some test of time. You know? Rather than you walking around with a Beatles haircut and it's it's 2020. You know, like, why don't they like this? I don't know. Your haircut's from like 1964. That, that could be a good reason. All right, you don't want to have your writing sounding like that either, or you're just trying to convert it to something that that sounds hip. It's never a good idea, in my opinion, and it's part of my own philosophy. You can take it or leave it, and that's fine, because it's not about the show to, you know, force you to uh, to take my philosophy. But it is a good way to for you to try to examine, and that's what the show is about. Do you have a philosophy, Jack? You know. Can you look into this, Sue, and, and see what you think? You know? Jimmy, what do you think about that? That's really what the show is about. Find out if you have one. Go get one if you have to get one. Go create your own. Find out who you are and you start developing your own. Because you need to be able to do that. You don't want to be on the receiving end. Because remember, I have a publication aerial chart that doesn't do all this soulless form letter nonsense. I'm actually a real editor who actually has real commentary and actually really communicates with the writers. Don't send a bunch of junk out and whatever. That's not an editor in my book. And if other editors hear that right now, you can email me and get upset, which happens a lot. Or you can secretly say, I agree with you, Mark. I just don't want to actually broadcast out like you do. It could be that way too. That's fine. But a real editor... Gives a damn about writing and gives a damn about the writers. So you talk to people about things. And I'm not problem. I have no problem telling somebody. I, I, I've saw this kind of hip nonsense before. Why are you doing it? I've saw some of your other writing. What the hell is this? Or in some instances, this is all I saw. And I'm like, no, this is not going to ever work for me. You know, it just sounds like you're just parroting somebody else's ideas. Or hipness, or whatever you want to call that. I, I don't really feel art is supposed to be hip. It can become a hip, but I don't really think we're trying to intentionally make it hip. I, I never think that's a good idea. Because remember, hip is just like the politics of the day. It's it's temporary. A big lighter that eventually you're going to throw away when you're done with it. Because it doesn't last forever. You know what lasts forever? Good art. A good woman you love. Hell, love itself. 
Those things last forever. Everything else, it's pretty damn temporary. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to spend my time doing crap that's temporary. I don't want to promise things that are temporary. I don't even want to talk about things that are temporary. I want to talk about things that are going to last. And that, that's why it's important to have a show like this to be able to do things more than my writing or more than my editing. And that's why I do it. Because I want people to think about some of these things. It's And that's what's great about the show. Because I don't have to stress myself with, oh my God, they're not listening to me. I know people are listening because I get the comments back. <laughs> Good, bad, and indifferent. And I also don't have to stress myself because I never really care behind the microphone and I always admit it to you, if you take anything I'm doing and decide to do it or not, because I'm doing it, and that's important for me, I just think that many times people can grab on certain things and use it to help modify some of the things they're doing. To think about it. Hey, I should try this. Hey, I should think about that. There's nothing wrong to do that. I listen to writers all the time. And I tell them all the time, too. You know? Your thoughts might come on my show one day. I'm not going to mention your name, but still. Hell, I might even think about some of the things you have to say and maybe try it myself. We need to trade things back and forth. Too many writers don't communicate with each other. And I never liked that. I think it doesn't make a lot of sense. You know why we do this? Because for some stupid reason, and I, yeah, I say the word stupid, we, we think we're in competition or something. But we're not. There is no competition. There really isn't. You're not a better writer... Uh, because you have a thousand credits versus somebody that has a hundred. I probably passed a thousand credits a couple of years ago. I stopped counting because it was becoming boring. Okay? I don't know how it makes me any better a writer than anybody else I talk to out there. I've seen a lot more. I have a lot more experience. That's all great and everything. But I'm no different than any of you guys. Or any of you girls. I have those nights where I can't even think of anything. I got those nights uh, when uh, I don't like any of my notes. It doesn't seem to gel. I got those nights when I look at something that somebody published for me and I said, Jesus, I could have like changed this or I could have did that. It's hard not to because we're creative people. We're artists. We're writers. And when we care, even if it could be caring too much, we have these thoughts. And sometimes they could cause writer's block sometimes it could cause us to lose faith in ourselves or, or even in other people out there sometimes and, and sometimes it could cause us just to rethink some of the directions we want to go in writing and creativity I don't really think that anything I just told you is necessarily negative I think it's natural I, I really don't like people that 100% confident every day of the week because I have to feel that this person is a madman or this person is lying to me. Because I don't really think there's a lot of people out there that are 100% negative. It's just as much as I don't really think there's a whole lot of people out there that are 100% positive about things. That are always confident. That are always, that are always fearful. There's not very many people like that on the extreme. And those people that are on the extreme, they might have some real issues. That might writing might not be able to help. They might need to go someplace else for a little while before they get back to hanging out with good creative people, okay? It's natural to lose some faith now and then. It's natural to question things. It's natural to to wonder about, is Mark right about this philosophy? Should I have one? Should I not? That's fine. You should be doing that. I want you to question stuff. 
But I never make the show out to provoke people like I gotta make them angry and to do something. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm that kind of bores me. Okay, really. We might write things that can be provocative. We might even purposely do that now and then too, and that's fine. That's part of who we are as writers, as creative people. But to do it as a regular basis or to do it as a philosophy, to me, it's boring. Because as much as we might want to make people uncomfortable at times, and as much as we might want to make people think something deeper, or maybe go places they normally wouldn't want to go to before, and sometimes we have the obligation, and sometimes our right our work is going to naturally do that, you know, it's not really supposed to be our journey and destination to always be doing that. It, it becomes, I, I feel, kind of, kind of trifling at times, and it becomes very trying. How can I make somebody more angry today? Who the hell wants to have that kind of destiny or, or that kind of philosophy or that kind of goal? Hey, Mark, what's your goal today? Um, well, last week I pissed off 16,000 people. I'm going to try to piss off 46,000 this week. It doesn't make a lot of sense. You hear how it sounds. It sounds ridiculous. So some of those thoughts and some of those some of those folks that they kind of approach things that way, I often tell them you, you might want to revisit <laughs> something else because it's not really going to help you in the end if you're just trying to one-up yourself on, on, on being you know, uh, purposely crazy or purposely loony or, or, or just purposely controversial. Yeah, it doesn't even work for Hollywood people anymore. So it's it's not really going to work for you. It, it gets people get that old. They get they feel like it gets a little old, and then they're going to tune you out. Rather than saying, "All right, I heard this guy last time. I might not agree with everything I had to say, but he had a couple compelling points. Let me hear him again today. Maybe he has a couple other things I can use." That's really the approach I hope that a lot of people get with the show, or get with writing in general. Maybe they even get with their own writing, where they could sit down over the course of a week, have some inspiration, have some notes and everything, and maybe put down five or six decent poems that they feel might be the ready to go, and maybe send them all out there in their heart of hearts, knowing that maybe there's one that they feel super strong about, and the other four, I don't know. I mean, they're passable, and you know, the philosophy on that. Changes by who you talk to, okay? So, I can tell you my philosophy is if people feel a little queasy about something, maybe they should hold off. Maybe they can see if they can possibly, quote, improve it, or maybe they need to change it to make themselves feel better. Does that change the veracity of it, or does that change the emotional appeal of it? Does that change the passionate angle of it? Hell if I know, it might, but I don't really know. Until I read it and, and can judge it for myself. But I feel in the end that if you don't at least consider doing that once in a while, you're always going to be in the back of your mind feeling that only a percentage of whatever you put out there is worth anything and the rest of it you just don't know anything about. You're almost shocked when it gets published or somebody says anything. Hey, I really like that. You know? I mean, you're going to be saying to yourself, honestly, wow, I'm not even sure if I like that. So I, it's always better, I feel, to figure out whenever you can make some kind of creative synchronicity with an editor saying, damn, I love that. And then you're like, well, damn, I love that too. So 
boom. It's just beautiful to feel and to have happen. Versus literally being surprised by somebody like something. To me, I always felt, um, at least emotionally, that you almost like you're betraying yourself. You're like, damn, shouldn't I be happy about this piece? You know, and I've had I've had this happen before in the magazine. And I was never really I was never really comfortable with, with hearing that. I've had a couple of writers I've nominated for big awards telling me, geez, if I, if I knew you were going to nominate me, I would have gave you something better. Now, folks here, I don't want to tell you who that was, of course, and uh, but I could tell you my gut instinct right away was, what the hell does that mean? You just didn't give me something that you really believed in in the first place? You just gave me something that was whatever? And I still liked it because I still thought it was good? I felt it was worthy enough to represent the magazine and, and nominate it for an award. And you're telling me you had something that was even better? Of course, you know, on the practical level, it's too late for me to swap anything out. Even if I wanted to do that way. But why the hell would I want to do that anyway? Because I'm already insulted with the comment. I'm human, remember? Not just an editor or a writer. I'm a human damn being. <laughs> but, um. That's where sometimes you get that. Sometimes you get from people. You won't even discover that until you do something like that. That's actually happened to me twice. In the last four years. Twice. And it, it, it sticks to my memory to this day. You know, I'm like... Of course I wrote them back. And expressed to them my, my disappointment in that. Because it, it means a lot of things that are not positive. It certainly doesn't mean anything that's very authentic. And, and quite frankly... I'm not telling you, anyone out here, that you know they, they need to promise me a rose garden and say how much they love me and, and thank me 17 times for nominating them, but I think that, yeah, there should be a measure of gratitude in there. And when you're saying something like that, you know that's, that's not meeting any kind of mark of gratitude. That's just like taking things for granted. You know? Like people, sometimes they, you know... Um, no, I, I, I don't think I want to get published in your, your magazine, but, you know, thanks for thinking about me. Or inviting somebody to interview on the show who I think is worthy. Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. Blah, blah, blah. I, I, I'm not trying to be crass here, and I'm certainly not trying to be difficult, but, you know, last I checked, I wasn't competing with 15,000 outlets that just couldn't wait to, you know, interview the poet. There's only so many out there willing to do that wanting to even do that so I don't never understand when people turn off people who are trying to support them giving you a crappy bio or saying horrible comments like that avoiding trying to expose their work more out there I don't know what that's supposed to mean other than what I take it on the, on the, on a personal besides an artistic basis is just not very wise I mean, it's still your choice. So, of course, you know, I have to respect it, and I will. Because I don't ask again once that happens. I'm done. That's it for me. I go on, there's too many other people to concern myself with if somebody doesn't want to do anything and they got some unusual reason for it. You know, you have, you have a good day. We do the best we can here. We really do. And I think that we do a very good job. How to have some kind of philosophy as an artist in the modern day. A modern day that it seems to be filled with so many other obstacles and so many other choices you can make, even in the entertainment field. You can do a movie, this to a CD, this to a downstream, upload this, that, whatever, go to a theater, go to a play, do this Zoom thing now. 
They're probably going to Zoom plays. I think they're starting to do that now. Not just because of Corona, but just in general. It's becoming something that could be useful. I'm not against any of it, but in the end, we do have a play, uh, a point to play here. We do have a place in the world if we allow it ourselves to do that. If we don't sideline ourselves and then complain the world sidelining us. That's, that's It's why I get passionate about this, but also frustrated about it. I mean, you, you can't tell me in one breath, they're ignoring me, and then in another breath, no, Mark, I, I don't want to interview. <laughs> you know? Or, um, yeah, they really should have more respect as the writers, and, and, and then, you know, you're saying nonsensical things to, to editors, and you're putting out stuff that's not your best, and, and you're wondering why uh, people are not offering you any respect. It has to go both ways, folks. I know all about the complaints of writers. I'm a writer. I probably even had some of them in the past. Hell, I think I have a couple now in the in, in the present. I mean, I think uh, there's a French writer. It, his name will come to me eventually because I'm sorry. When it comes to French writers, I never seem to get their names right or, or remember them because, I don't know, French is not an easy language for me, okay? But uh, he said, in, in, and it was, a, it was a male, and he said, in, 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 this is just my take on it, but he said, at heart, writers are complainers. I don't really think he meant that in a completely negative way, because oftentimes when writers can be confrontational, or writers can be social, or writers can just reveal truths that need to be revealed, they, they ought to be damn complainers, because sometimes that's the only way you could do it, just in an artistically beautiful way, you know? Sometimes the best poems are the, a beautiful complaint. Great. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, I'm happy to read it. I'm happy to produce it. I'm happy to, to publish it. But we also need to remember in, in the modern day right now that our complaints might not be as valid as they were 50, 60, 70 years ago. And things are both ways. You need to. We got too much instant communication going on. We got too many people out there that are, that are doing their best to support the arts. And they don't need that kind of flack. And they don't need that kind of nonsense. You know, I don't really understand any of it because, and I ask writers now and then about this, and I would love to get a couple of honest answers once in a while, but I always ask them, you don't get lots of communication from editors. Let's be honest, it doesn't happen. I'm one of the, the handful that do. I'm one of the handful that actually talk about this topic and, and, and writing in general so openly. So, if you don't, I mean... Why are you going to give somebody a hard time for the one that does? The few that do. Because I, I know others that do too. And they can be disappointed at times going, what the hell? We're trying to do everything we can. And we still got people that just go off the deep end. Don't understand what's going on. So try to keep that in mind. Try to keep that part of your philosophy. The philosophy of making sure that what you're doing out there is your best foot forward. You are having some respect for guidelines because that's how you have respect for an editor by trying to observe the best you can the guidelines. I give people breaks now and then and I give people some leeway on a regular basis even with my own guidelines which can be pretty, I, I feel, not strict but I, I they definitely are defined because I don't play games with words. I mean, I expect to, to see what I expect, you know, that, that's it. But hey... You make a mistake now and then, or you didn't interpret it correctly now and then. I can tell, and I understand, and I and I, I'll let that go. But you have to have respect too. You just can't always say, "I need respect. I need somebody to publish me. I need somebody to understand what I'm doing." 
and then you're out there acting silly. That has to be part of your philosophy, a measure of gratitude, some understanding about what people are trying to do on the other side. And if you don't understand, why don't you ask them? Hey, Mark, I had a good question, and I'll show this to you before we get to the close of this of this episode. It's an excellent question. Mark, I don't understand why you had to like put this poem that you really like off for another month. Why couldn't you produce it this month? Because in in essence, a digital publication like yours is not really finite like a literary journal that's made out of paper where they have a, a certain amount they can produce because of the cost and, and all of that. And I'm like, yeah, it sounds like a, it sounds like an excellent question. It, it's it, and I'll give you the the honest answer at it. You're right. In in, in in essence, it's infinite. But I'm still creating a journal. I still got to have not only my own guidelines. I still have to have my own workload I'm dealing with, and the people who volunteer to help me. It still doesn't make any sense to have one episode with seven thousand poems and another one has fifty. So I try to find some kind of consistent path. Based on workload, based on the material I'm getting, based even on the time of year we have. You know, my cycle, like a lot of publications, and remember, I'm a monthly, so it's a much more grueling task than it is for somebody who's a quarterly or biannually or even a bi-monthly. That means I'm doing this 12 times a year. Okay? I have to say to myself, hey, I'm uh, like every year because this is a seasonal thing. I'm going into July and August. They tend to be the hardest months to get submissions. So if I got too many in June, which is what happened this month, which is the first time, I usually don't get too many in June. Usually June is also like July and August. Then it's not hard to say, hey, listen, I'm better off taking this in July for you, okay? And doing that. You hope somebody understands. You hope somebody to be grateful. The person that asked that did it respectfully. It's a, it's a legitimate question, and that's the answer for that. And it might help other people to understand why I might say I'm going to push this for this month because it just makes most sense for for me and what I'm trying to get done. You're still getting the credit and, and etc. You know, but when you do something like that as the editor, you you take a chance, and this is what we're talking about to make sure that you try to conform your own philosophy as an artist that also can it, it that has some mutual respect in it that has some gratitude besides besides passion that has. Some honesty in it, but also has a measure of trust in it as well, folks, okay? Because when I say, I'm holding this and I'm going to produce you in July, that's what's going to actually happen. I'm not saying you need to not notify anybody. You need to keep sending it out and then one day email me an email. You know, Mark, I got picked up with somebody else, so I'm going to withdraw it right now. That happens sometimes too. So we have to have trust because if we don't have trust, that's when you cause yourself problems. You cause yourself problems on a place, they might want to see your work again because they have a bad taste in their mouth on that kind of practice. It's just unacceptable. So your philosophy as a an artist, as a writer, cannot just only be about what am I about? What is the world about? What do I want to write about? What are these notes about? It also has to be with having some kind of basic sense of, of ethical fair play and also have some some sense of trust. Even if you have to ask in another email, does this mean that I don't have to submit this anymore and that you're definitely doing this in July? It's a fair question. Ask it. I'm okay with that. Not offended by it. I'm a writer too. You might have to ask those things now and then. There's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong is not taking somebody at their word 
and then go about and do whatever you want to do. We can't be so hungry for credits that you start burning bridges all over the place. Never a good thing. And take it from me. I've done that and many times in the past in a different manner by getting into an argument with an editor as a writer about this and about that and then just saying the hell with it. I'm just going to withdraw it and I'll go somewhere else. Even sometimes after they accepted it. I can't tell you every one of these arguments were valid or not. Some of them I remember distinctly. Others, hell if I could tell you every detail. You, you live and you learn. It's not something I would do these days. But nevertheless, it was done. So I'm, I'm not some perfect person over here. This is why when I tell you a lot of these things, I'm telling you from experience on, on 20 different levels. I guarantee you, um, I stopped sending stuff to that place here for a while because there's no point. I never know in the end, was I just being a jerk? And did I burn my bridge there with that editor? And why the hell send stuff over just to keep me rejected? Because I don't know if I'm being rejected because they don't like that work or they don't like that I acting like a jerk in the past. So you don't want to act like a jerk yourself because I can tell you right now from, from this editor, from this standpoint... Yeah, I'll, I'll look at that, and I, I have to wonder about what I want to continue my relationship with somebody like that. Because there's too many other writers out there. They want to get published. They want to have a relationship. They want to learn and want to do things. So I don't really have the time to work on those that don't care. Well, this is just another credit in whatever big bio they're trying to create or something. So don't be so hungry for a credit that you, you, you hurt other people in the process, or you wind up... You know, hurting your own self in, in, in the process. Because it, it's just not worth it to do that. You know, a lot of times it's worth it to have long-term relationships with people. If you can make that continue, I, I'd say do so. I really do. Because you'll you'll grow as a person. You'll grow as an artist. You'll feel better about the world when you have those dark days. Okay? And also, in the end, who do we have if we don't have each other? You still have a world that doesn't always quite understand us. That can discriminate against us. That can cast prejudice and hatred to us. Where certain political systems will throw us in jail. Will kill us. Murder a man because he wrote a play. What the hell is that? It's the power of writing. And, 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 and the, the spiritual impact of somebody telling the truth. Whether you believe in God or not. It's still a spiritual impact. That somebody wants to rush to your house. And break down the door and throw you in jail and then eventually kill you. Because they can't change you to their thought frame. Or what you just said jeopardized their power. This is the kind of power you have as a writer. It's what writers do across the world. On a daily basis. So if you want to have some kind of philosophy. Try to think about that as well. And let's not try to be so damn spoiled. And so bratty. And so inconsiderate. And so impassionate. And so, so full of ingratitude that we, we, we forget those out there that are right now in jails in Cuba, right now in jails in Nicaragua, in jails in Honduras, in jails in Brazil because they wrote a poem, because they wrote an article. Some of them even tacked a letter on the door in jail for a letter, for a poem, for a play. That shouldn't even be going on on planet Earth in the year 2020. And it still is. So we are still important out there if we 
don't sideline ourselves with our own fear, with our own doubt, with our own prejudice, with our own lack of communication to other artists, with our own not caring about how we present our work to a publisher, to an editor, or to the world. So that has to be also a part of your philosophy, okay? Because whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, or hell, whether you believe me or not, there's writers out there, they're in jail, not only for themselves, they're in jail for you. They might die for what they wrote. And in many symbolic ways, if not literal ways, dying for you. So kind of keep them in mind too when you're out there, you know, acting acting the fool instead of the great writer that you can be if you just get your act together. Put your thoughts together. Get those notes together. Get some kind of philosophy that puts you on the, on the right track. Ask questions from other artists. Try to form some relationships. Ask questions from editors. I don't care if you don't think they're going to respond to you back or not. You might be surprised. Even my ones that use form letters might say, you know, maybe this is something I should answer. Because it seems like it makes sense, like it's heartfelt. You know, they're not all bad out there. I don't think they all don't care. I think there's a lot of them that do care and just don't even know how to respond sometimes. Because of the way sometimes writers can act. So we can't act like a bunch of children out there when we're adults. We need to act like adults and be who we are. Creative, artistic people. Because the arts won't survive if we're all laying down. And not bringing our voice out. And not writing what we should be writing. And not being who we're supposed to be. And living in some other world or in some closet or, or wherever. We need to be out there. So let's be out there as writers. And keep what I'm saying in mind, please. If you got questions for me, I'm always happy to answer them. Folks, God bless, like I always say. Take good care, especially the way things are going out there these days. It's more important than ever for us to make sure that we are being the best that we can be. And learn from what's going on and, and learn from ourselves. Let it inform you as a person, as a parent, as a writer, as a, as a husband, and as a wife. It'll make us better in the end. God bless until next time, folks. This is Mark Anthony Rossi, Strength to be Human, Philosophy of an Artist. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by purchasing an ebook at Soma Publishing, www.somapublishing.com.